I don't know if it's necessarily the best day, uh, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, like you said, my name is Ryan. Um, Pastor Zach uh, will be back next week as we kick off our newest series. And uh, we're just really, really excited. And I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to um, just to celebrate and to worship alongside of you uh, today. Um, and so before we jump in, I just want to highlight a couple of things. Like he said, like Easter was last week. And so there are some things that we just need to celebrate. Are you in the celebratory mood? Great. Awesome. All right. So, so last week we had 839 people in attendance here at River Club Church. That was, that was awesome. Yeah. Also, we had 26 people made a, uh, a first time spiritual decision to put their heart and their, or turn to their heart and their mind towards Jesus. And so we, yeah, absolutely. Amen. We celebrate that. That is something so, so great. If you, if you made a decision last week and you did not let anyone know, like maybe, maybe you, um, just, you just kept it to yourself. Like you didn't grab a devotional. You didn't tell anyone. If, if that was you, I encourage you. Do not leave this place today without telling someone. Tell me, tell someone on our staff team, go to in the information center and tell someone there um, because we want to celebrate. Like we really just want to party alongside of you. And so let someone know, don't, don't miss this opportunity uh, to share that. Um, also, uh, Easter is a big day and we had 150 plus people say that they were all in to serve in some capacity. And so give it up for our volunteers. Um, as, yeah, as, as, as someone here on our staff, I know that if you stop volunteering, we will not be good at anything. And so thank you for volunteering. Thank you for saying that you will be all in to help us out uh, last Sunday. And last, last but not least, like some of you may be sitting there saying to yourself, wow, that shirt that he has on is awesome. Lucky for you, we just got a new shipment of these t-shirts. You can get yours for $5 in the lobby. I promise you this, it will be the best t-shirt in your wardrobe. I promise you, it's the softest t-shirt uh, that there is, and it's five bucks. And so maybe you have one already, and you're like, why do I need another one? Because there's seven days in a week. Go get, go get some more t-shirts. Um, yeah, he hears me. Um, and so um, maybe you can give one to someone else, like someone in your family or a friend or someone like someone that you just want to allow them to experience life go get a t-shirt they're in the lobby five dollars and they go fast and so like don't say oh man i'll just get it next week no they may be gone because i i may buy more and so make sure you go out there and get your t-shirt today cool all right. So like I said, we are, um, we are one week removed from Easter. Uh, last week we celebrated the, the, uh, our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ as he, as he risen, rose from the dead and we celebrated and it was awesome for you. How are you today though? How are you today in this moment? Has the excitement and the passion of Easter, has it begun to slip some? Has it started to fade? Is right now in this moment the very first time all week that you have thought about Easter or thought about Jesus coming back from the grave? Like, is this the first time? And before you turn me, tune me out, like, this is not that type of message. <laughs> Stay with me. This is not that, like, I don't want to guilt anyone. I don't want to make anyone feel bad, like, because that's normal. It happens. It happens to all of us. 
Last week, we talked through the story of uh, two travelers on their way to Emmaus. They were two travelers that, that they, were, they were part of Jesus' inner circle. They were part of his, his group. And, and Jesus had just been crucified in their hope and their, and their, their excitement and their fulfillment in life was now nailed to a cross. And so they were in this moment of now what? What do I do with the, I had my hope here and now it's dead. What do I do with this? And so these two men, they started to walk back home. They were journeying back to, to, to the, their home to try to figure out a new normal. They followed Jesus. They were a part of his inner circle. And their hope was nailed to a cross. And so they start walking back broken. Probably with a whole lot of disbelief. Or maybe unfulfilled promises. And there's another story that, and, and you, 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 the scripture tells us that, that Jesus appears to the, to the disciples, um, all of them except Thomas, like he appears to them, they were in this room, the door was locked, and, and he, he, he shows up. Which, that's pretty wild. Like, let, let's not overlook that part of the story. Like, that, that in itself is pretty wild. And, and, and Jesus shows up and he says, peace be with you. And their natural response was to be blown away. Naturally. And so the person that wasn't there, like I said, was Thomas. And so they rushed to find Thomas to tell him. And Thomas has a very real response. And he says, um, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And Thomas gets a bad rap for this. He has a nickname, Doubting Thomas, or the Doubter, or whatever. And he gets this bad rap for this. But I imagine if we are honest with ourselves, we probably fit the profile of Thomas much more than we would like to admit. We probably find ourselves in moments of, of significant doubt. And, and, and this story reminds me of another story. And so uh, there's this man who decided he was going to just get out for a little while. He was going to go take a hike. And he was, he was up in the Cascade Mountains. And he's like, I just need to get out. I need to have some one-on-one -on -one time, me and God. And so I'm just going to go out by myself and go hiking. And so he goes for a little hike. And something happens. He slips and he falls. And he finds himself like flying down this, the, the side of this mountain. Not really like falling down the side of this mountain. He's like trying to grab anything that he can to help stop him. And he finally grabs onto a little tree and he's holding on. And he's like, he, he, he's, he's looking around trying to figure out, okay, what to do next? Like he looks up and he says, all right, if I let go to try to go up, it's too steep. There's nothing to grab. I'm just going to fall again. And I may not catch this branch. So he looks down and the cliff just gets like steeper. And he says, if I let go, I'm certainly going to fall to my death. So, what do you do? So naturally, he, he, he knows that he's probably the only one around for miles. But he doesn't have a choice. He doesn't have anything else that he can do in this moment. And so he just starts saying, help! Help! Anybody help! And after a few moments of crying out, he gets a response. And the voice says, let go, I'll catch you. And the man was like, where are you? I, 
who are you? And the voice says, it's me. It's God. Let go. I'll catch you. And the man says, God, you don't have a net or a ladder or a rope? And God says to him, he says, just trust me. Believe in me and let go. I'll catch you. So the man hanging on still thinks. And after a moment of thinking, he says, help anyone else. (laughs) It's difficult to believe in something you can't see, right? It's difficult to put your hope and your faith and belief in something that you can't see. That for me is just very, very natural. And, and Thomas doubted. Sure, we get that. We understand that. But who in this room has never doubted? Raise your hand. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I assumed. Like, that's what we do. We're, we're people who doubt. And, and perhaps, perhaps you've looked at the circumstances in your life. Perhaps you have looked at the things that are going on around you, like maybe maybe someone you love, their health is failing. Maybe someone you love is walking away from you. Maybe maybe you, you your your job is 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 just failing, and, and you look at your circumstances, or you look at the world around you, and you're like, I can't make sense of any of this stuff. God, if you if you are there, like where are you? Especially when we start to look at the stories of the people that we love. Or the people that are very near to us or very dear to us. And we hear these stories of how their lives are being radically transformed. And so we start to think one of three things. One, either these people are crazy. They're just making up all of this. It's just an emotional roller coaster that they're on. Like it's not an actual real thing. Maybe Jesus doesn't exist. Like we start, we, we, we go there. God doesn't exist. Jesus doesn't exist. It's all just a big hoax. We, we go to this point. Or maybe the scariest place of all. We start to wonder if Jesus is real. And these stories and these accounts and these encounters are real. Maybe Jesus just doesn't want to encounter me. And it's in this tension that we're going to rest today. It's in this place that we're going to spend some time and wrestle through some things. There's a story in Mark chapter 9, uh, specifically a sentence that, that I, I, I want us to look at. It, it, it's the story of a, of a father who has a son. And so I'm going to set the stage for you just for a moment. Uh, so the story goes like Jesus and Peter, James, and John, they go up onto the mountain. And, they, and there's just an incredible encounter between, the, between Jesus and God. And, and, and like it's a face-to-face thing. And like Jesus' appearance changes. It's, it's like unbelievable. So if you're Peter, James, and John, and you see see this, you're like, how can this be? This is so awesome. I can't wait. They actually say, this is very good for us to be here. Like this is an incredible moment. And then they go down the mountain and they walk into a village. And in this village, there is some chaos starting to happen. There's some things that are taking place. And, and this man has a very, very real problem. He has a boy that is demon-possessed and has been 
This demon has been trying to kill his boy. And so let's read. Uh, It's up on the screen, um, so you can just read uh, along with me. So Mark chapter 9, verse 14 says, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Verse uh, 16, what are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him into the gr- or to the ground and he foams at the mouth, gnashing his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion and he fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Isn't it interesting how many times we read through stories in the Gospels? Like there is a moment where a a parent, a mom or a dad, brings their child to Jesus for healing. It happens all, like go read, like go read through the Gospels. Like it happens time and time again. And uh, this this led me to a a quote. There's author and theologian N.T. Wright. It says, or he has this uh, quote that says, are we supposed perhaps... To see in these stories a reflection of the grieving love of the father for his child, Israel. For his image-bearing daughters and sons throughout the world. For his unique son, Jesus himself, as he goes obediently, mute before his captors to a certain death. The scene in this, the mood is intense. It's a very real feeling. You have a crowd. You have a, a dad. You have a boy who's demon-possessed, and, and, and there is a desperate need for help. There is a desperate need for Jesus to come and to fix something. And in this, this, this dad... He has this moment of, of, of truth, like it just slipped out. And he probably, after he said it, he was like, I can't believe I just said that. This is Jesus. Like I've heard the stories of Jesus. But he says, if you can, Jesus, if you can do anything, I need you to help my boy. And so before we start to like question this man and his character, like, like we have to understand that this man just took his son who was dying to, to Jesus's inner circle. Like he took him to, to Jesus's disciples and he, he, he says, I need you to fix this. Like I, I'm bringing him to Jesus, but Jesus isn't here. He's up on a mountain. And so I'm going to bring him to you because I've heard the stories and I've seen how you can change lives and I know what Jesus can do. And so I need you to do something. And they failed. 
They failed this, this dad who has a son that is dying. And so before we jump on this man and say, like, how dare you, like, question Jesus? Like, before we do that, let's just take a moment for just a moment and, and just think, like, this man's plea of, if you can, like, I need you to do something. Like, like this is much more than a plea. This, this is him saying, like, I have no other options. I've already tried once, and I need you to show up. I need you to do something for me now. And I think this is where we find ourselves. There are other gospel letters. There, there are stories of like the centurion guard or, or the Roman officer or, or the woman who was bleeding for 10 years. And we see these, these stories and stories like it where, where, G, where they go up to Jesus and, and they, they say, Jesus, like before you do anything, I want you to know that I trust you with an incredible amount of, of trust and I believe in you and I know you are who you say you are. So before you do anything, I know that you can do it. And it's this intense amount of passion for Jesus. But this man's story was different. This man's story was one of unbelief. <laughs> like, Jesus, I need you to fix this. There's this, um, there's this unnecessary self-torture that we put ourselves through. When we find ourselves in situations like this where, where, where we need Jesus to show up and, and we, we, we want to believe, like we have like in our heart, like we want to believe in our heart that he can do what he can do and he, he, that he is who he says he is. But in our heads, like our minds won't allow us to get to that point. And so there's this like vicious cycle where we just continue to live and continue to stay like, okay, I believe that you're going to do something, but I don't believe that you're going to do something because you didn't show up in this season. And it's regardless of what Jesus is saying to you, you may be able to hear it as plain as day that he wants you to do this, but because of this, you don't believe him. And it's this cycle of self-torture that I imagine more of us live in this place than we would like to admit. I believe the more of us find ourselves and can identify with that than we like to admit. And so the man says, Jesus, I need you to help me. I need you to do something. And he does. He does. He meets this man where he is in his pain, in his questions, in his concerns, in his doubts. He meets him there. And he does something. He changed this man's life. He changed his story. He changed this boy's life. I know that I don't do notes the same way that like Pastor Zach does or really anyone else that, that speaks up here. And so like when, when, when I give you notes, you get a sheet of paper that's just blank. Like I, I, I know I get that. Like that's just me. Um, but, but if you don't... If, Maybe you haven't written anything down. Maybe you've like, I don't know, played tic-tac-toe or something on it. But whatever you've been doing, like, I want you to write this down in that, in that space. And so if you hear nothing else, if like today you came in, you're like, I just need one little nugget just so I can write down. Here it is. Here's a nugget for you to write down on that blank sheet of paper. And it says, Jesus meets us where we are. 
and our doubts and our brokenness and in our shame. Jesus meets us where we are. Whatever season you have found yourself in, whatever place you have found yourself in, whatever fears and uncertainties and doubts and disbeliefs, whatever it is that, that, that you are currently walking through, like Jesus will meet you there. And that is the beauty of the gospel. That is the beauty of, of, of Jesus and of who we have. And, and like that, that, that's why we can celebrate so, with so much passion, like, the victory of Jesus because like not only has he uh, overcome the grave, but like he not only has he just like, not only is he in heaven, but he is now in me and he is in you. And he, he like the, in the very beginning of the book of John, it says that he moved into the neighborhood because he was interested in you and you are not someone that's far off. Like he's interested in you and he wants you to have a good and a better story where you can experience the fullness of life. So back to Thomas, John chapter 20, verse 24. I'm just going to read it really quick. Um, It says, now Thomas, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And let's just pause there for just a moment. Like, they had, they had already seen Jesus. Like, his disciples, like, he, had, he appeared in a locked room to them once before. So, like, why were they still sitting in a locked room? Jesus is back. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't have an answer for you. Like, that's just something that I think about a lot. Uh, and so he says, uh, verse 27, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas wanted to believe. He did. He, 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 he walked with Jesus for years and years and years. He wanted to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And in his heart, he probably did. But his mind was not allowing him to get to that place. And then Jesus shows up and invites him to a better story invites him to something more, invites him into a new life that he didn't even know was possible. But he, he, instead of condemning him, he says, come, come, let me, let me show you. Trust me, I'm good. Trust me. And he says, stop doubting and believe. For you. Stop trying to make sense of the things that you can't make sense of. Stop doubting everything. When, when, stop doubting Jesus when something goes bad. Stop doubting and believe. We can't make sense of everything. Not everything is going to make sense to us because we're just humans. 
for you. Maybe you need to stop listening to the stories of the people around you. Or maybe you need to stop comparing your faith to someone else's faith. And realize that you have the ability through Jesus Christ to have the faith that can move a mountain. Maybe you need to have that kind of faith. Maybe you just need to realize that, that, that your faith isn't going to look like mine or it's not going to look like hers or the, whatever. Like this is your faith. This is what Jesus has given you. Maybe for some of you today in this room, you need to turn your heart and your mind towards Jesus for the very first time. I don't know where you are. I don't know what circumstances you've gone through. I don't know what you're, what the, 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 the life that you're living right now. I, I, I don't know the season that you have found yourself in, but I do know that there's a reason you're here. I, I, I do know that Jesus wants to tell you something. And maybe it's just him saying like, I'm good. Trust me. And maybe that's where you are right now. Last, last night or this weekend, I flew down to Florida um, on Friday morning and I got back last night and I got home at 1 a.m., which is awesome. I went down to Florida. My wife's family lives in Florida and we were... For lack of a better term, we were celebrating the 10-year anniversary of when my, my wife's sister was killed in a car accident. We sent an email out to a bunch of people that were, that were very dear to Emily or that loved Emily. And we sent an email to them saying, we're going to surprise Laura's parents with a video. If you have a story, if you want to share something, we want, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories and how Emily has impacted your life. And, and what I know about Emily was that she was a world changer. And so we sat through like two hours of personal stories from people and just wept. And in that moment, like I was reminded of the pain and the fear and the doubt and the uncertainty of life that happened 10 years ago. I was reminded of the feeling of great loss. And I was reminded of the times where I was not just questioning if Jesus was good, but if, if Jesus was real. I was reminded of those times. And every single story, it seemed like these people were like sharing stories about how Emily has impacted their life and changed their life. And, and at, at the car accident scene, like she had stuff spread all over I-95. And someone picked up a little card. They, they, they found a card in Emily's handwriting that said, I am not abandoned. Jesus is so good. He's worthy. He's trustworthy. Today he calls to you and says, stop doubting me. Just believe me. Because I am who I say I am. We're going to sing a song called Do It Again, and we're going to sing it again. 
because the words of this song are just so incredibly powerful. And Ryan made mention of it earlier, and maybe you sit here today and you have not heard from Jesus in a very long time. Maybe you have found yourself like you have grown up in church and and you and Jesus had a very good relationship while you were growing up, but something has just seemed to fade. But the song says, come and do it again. I need you to do it again. I don't, again, I don't know where you are. I would love to talk. But in a moment, when we sing this song, we're going to move into a time of response. We have candles here at the front, and maybe your response is you just need to come and light a candle. A white candle represents uh, just something that you're praying for, and a red candle represents new life, maybe for you specifically or for someone that you are praying for. If you need to write a prayer down, whatever that may look like for you personally, like you can write that down on, there's sheets of paper on the side of the, of the auditorium and you can just put it in the fence. Like as a staff, we pray over these every single week. Maybe you just need someone to pray for you right now. We have a prayer team that's just ready to pray. But maybe today is the day that you need to put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to give you that chance. There's nothing magical about anything that I'm about to say, but, but I just want you to repeat after me. Like maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. I want you to just to repeat these words after me. You can say it to yourself. Like you can say whatever you want. It's between you and Jesus. But we'll pray and then we'll move into some worship. Let's pray with me. Jesus, I love you. I trust you with my whole life. I understand that I am a sinner and that I have failed you. But today I choose you. Today I choose to experience life in you. Today I make you my Lord and my Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you today made or said that prayer for the very first time in your life, I'm going to count to three and I want you to raise your hand, not, not for anything else, but so that I can pray for you. And then I can celebrate alongside of you. If that was you, I want you just to slip your hand up. One two, three. Maybe some of you right now are just really just wrestling. You've gone through an incredible amount of hurt and pain or shame. And you just need Jesus again. Know that he is good. He is worth it. Stand and sing with me.